0: Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome everyone. Who knows what film that was from? Polo 13. That's right. Um, Yeah, well, the the scene and scenario that was happening is uh, they've sent uh, a ship around um, the moon. Of course, uh, on that trek, they discover that the CO2 filters aren't working properly, and they need to um, change some things in the ship. And effectively, got to get a square um, filter into a round hole. And uh, the back at Houston, at headquarters, uh, the the engineering team. They gather everything that they know is in the spaceship and they put it on the table. And that that scene, it's my favourite scene from the movie. Like, we've got to get this to fit into this using this, right? Throwing it on the table. This is all we got. And we've got a mission to complete. Let's figure it out. Let's do it. I believe in in this season that we're in, we've got Change of leadership. We've got a new season we're stepping into, and uh, a lot of changes, a lot of things going on, a lot, and potentially more changes to come. But there's one thing that's been that's been the same. There's many things that's been the same, but the key thing is our vision and mission that we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed. And what I feel we need to do is is lay it out on the table. What do we have to work with? How are we going to do it? What are the tools? What are the, the things? What do we need? And how are we going to complete this mission that we are all part of? Last week, I preached on Ephesians 2, thinking, you know, this is my first sermon as acting campus pastor. Now I'm the actual campus pastor. Real deal. Come on. And uh, <laughs> thanks for voting, by the way. Um, uh What's, um, what's our foundation? What is at our core? What do we need to make sure we get right? And that's the gospel, the good news about Jesus and the impact of the gospel. And uh, from Ephesians 2, the message is quite simple. We were dead, but God made us alive. And if we embrace that truth, then we embrace that reality, we will see lives transformed. We will see lives transformed. So we're moving from Ephesians 2, now stepping into Ephesians 4, now thinking, okay, well, if if we want to see gospel transformation, how are we going to be a community of transformation? A community that sees God's mission to seek and save the lost, to bring hope and healing to the world, how are we going to see that happen? And we're going to read through Ephesians 4 and Paul kind of lays it out. What do we have? What do we have to work with? Throwing it out on the table. So we're going to read Ephesians 4 together. I'm going to observe some things and then uh, we'll figure out how we are going to fulfill God's mission or how is he going to do it through us? So if you have a Bible, open up to Ephesians 4. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus. And I'll read it. It'll also be on the screen. As a prisoner for the Lord then, Paul's in prison at the time when he was writing this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, He ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every sporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It's a helpful backing track that came with that reading. (laughs) So that's Paul throwing it out. What do we have to work with? I'm not going to explain everything in this passage, but I want to draw out what, what do we have? And the first thing is humility. Humility. As he says, you know, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. How do we do that? Be completely humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, what is humility? Uh, In another letter, Paul talks a lot about humility in the letter of Philippians, where he says, uh, have the same attitude of Jesus and be humble towards one another. Jesus, who had everything and had every right, gave up everything, and gave up his rights to submit himself to death and to serve humanity, to serve us. And humility, Paul says in Philippians, is considered others greater than yourself, putting others above ourselves. And is, if we were to build the church, if that's the work that we're going to be doing, building the church, the way to do that is not putting ourselves on top all the time. It's actually putting others above ourselves, seeking others' needs first, not fighting for our agenda or our idea or our opinion, but seeking to love and to serve, to be humble. And there's going to be some tough people to deal with in the church. And we've got to bear with one another in love. And there's, there's going to be people difficult to work with. And you know what? That's, that's going to be me. And that's going to be you. But we bear with one another in love. We, we extend that hand to help in spite of how it might be received. We, we care for each other and love each other, even if it's not reciprocated. Just imagine a community like that, that's humble, that's gentle, that's patient with one another, that bears with one another in love. Well, that's the kind of community we've got to create by how we interact and and treat each other. So the first thing Paul says, humility. The second thing is unity, unity in the church, unity as the people of God. Paul says in verse three, make every effort, strive as much as you can, to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace, and he he shares. What are we uni- united around? It's not that we're all you know white Anglo Saxons living in the hills. It's not that we're all over eighteen or under ninety. Or it's it's none of that. What unites us as God's people, Paul says, is that we are one body, and that's the church under. Jesus we are the church and one spirit the Holy Spirit that, that fills those who follow Jesus it is God's spirit the one spirit the same spirit just as you are called to one hope the hope of Jesus return the hope that God will bring bring healing and completion and satisfaction and salvation once and for all. And justice, one Lord, Jesus Christ, and not anyone else. One faith, the faith that God gives us, the faith of the gospel, the truth of what Jesus has done. And in that, when we grasp that, when we embrace that faith, what Jesus has done, we are set free, we are saved. One baptism. Now, Paul's not talking about how we get baptised, but the fact that we're baptised, we're immersed, we're, uh, we, we come through into one family, one community, with one purpose. And one God and Father of all, who is in all and through all and over all. This is the stuff we're to unite and, and uh, that unites us and makes us one, one community under God. Now, does this mean that we, we're never allowed to disagree or have different opinions or, or have any kind of diversity? No. But it's, it's a shame to look out into the world and to the church and even look inside these walls, into our church, to Hills Baptist, and see how, how often we, we divide, we, we focus on what divides us rather than what unites us. And there was something, while I was at Bible college, there was something I learned that that really helped me think through these issues. And it was called dogmatic rank. Or there's other words you could say, uh, theological hierarchy. Effectively, what category do we put these different truths in? Do we put these different opinions and um, convictions into? And uh, the first one is our central convictions. What is, what is central to who we are as Christians, as the people of God? And that's what Paul just talked about. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. That is what defines us as Christians. And what defines and, and the truth about God and who he is. That's central. The second tier is the practical distinctives. And this is what would, would um, uh, divide the church into different denominations. And it's things like uh, the, the nature of baptism. Do we baptise infants or do we baptise adults who are able to make a confession of faith? Or do we baptise infants in the faith of the family? And it's those kind of distinctives that, that, uh, that split the church to, to create different um, denominations different expressions of the central faith, the central convictions. And so we would say that our Anglican and Uniting and, and Presbyterian and Church of Christ and Charismatic uh, brothers and sisters, we would say they, they are Christian. They, they hold firmly to the central convictions, but we express it differently. And so we at Hills Baptist, it's in the name. We are Baptists. And there's diff- certain practical distinctives that we hold on to one of them being uh, baptism, but then also other things like the autonomy of the local church and and a few other things of that makes us distinct from other uh, denominations and other churches. The next here is theological opinions. And this is different opinions you might have about end times and the nature of Jesus' return or even um, in a whole range of other things. And these things is stuff that we can disagree on or we can have discussions about and, and argue and debate and actually um, submit ourselves to Scripture and actually recognise that there is so much to think about and explore and we might not have it right, but we're welcome to be challenged and grow. And and so an important, important thing to think about is one... Um, Central conviction that I have is, the, is what's called the inerrancy of Scripture, that what God has revealed through his word is true and reliable and authoritative. Now, it's very important that we do not change that to the inerrancy of my interpretation of Scripture. Which is how often we do that and we see that. We can disagree and have different opinions, and that's good because they'll grow us and challenge us and, and feed us in, as we discuss these things and, and debate and all of that. It's good. And we'd say, you know, we can be in the one church and have a whole diversity of views on different things. That's a good thing. And the last one is theological speculation. And that's stuff like what did Jesus have the morning for breakfast the morning that he was baptised? Like we can't really know. My best guess is, is a bit of bread and some fish based on what, what, what he's mentioned eating in other passages. But do you know what? We can't know. It's entirely speculation. And there's some things where we take a, a speculation or a theological opinion or even a, a practical distinctive and we make it central. We make more of it than what it should be. And then that's what divides us. But instead of focusing and making more of of what divides us, we should be focusing and celebrating what unites us. That we serve one Lord. That we are one body of Christ. We have one spirit, one hope, one faith, one God, one baptism. So we're unified. There's unity in our calling, in our identity as God's people. But there's diversity in his gifting. That's the next thing. We have humility, we have unity, but we also have diversity in gifts. The very next verse, verse seven, Paul says, "But to each one of us, not us corporally, but each as individuals, grace has been given as Christ apportioned. It. Grace has been given as Christ apportioned. It. It's the God has given us gifts. But even the word for grace is very." Close to the word for gifts. Grace is charis. Gifts is charisma. Very, very similar. And God gives us grace and he gives us gifts to serve and build the church. Uh, Later Paul says it was uh, Jesus, he, who gave, in verse 11, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. He gives these roles. He gifts people to the church for a purpose. And it, people have different opinions of what these different roles exactly mean. Uh, apostles and prophets, whether that's um, roles to be held in the church now, or does it refer to the prophets and apostles of uh, the prophets of the Old Testament, the apostles of the New Testament, that that scripture and that uh, truth and heritage that we gained through what we have in scripture today. That's one of the theological opinions we can disagree on later. But then there's also evangelists of people who share the gospel, teach the gospel, uh, reach out into communities that haven't heard about that yet, and pastors and teachers, people who teach the truth and care for people and, and walk with people in their journey to Jesus, with Jesus. Now, it's easy to get bogged down and, and, and get distracted about what, what exactly are these different roles and which one do I fit in and, and all that. But they're not the main character of this passage. They're not the heroes of this story. Because you read the very next verse, uh, all these people, they were gifted by God, verse 12, to prepare God's people for the works of service, to equip God's people for the works of service. So who does the ministry of the church? Who does the ministry of Hills Baptist? It's not me. It's you. Who here, who as part of the church cares for the hurt, the broken, the sick, who brings meals to people with COVID who are isolating, who uh, calls and sends messages to encourage when people, when um, they're in grief, who who cares for her, who does the work of pastoral care in the church it's not Jackie Grace our pastoral care worker it's not me it's you it's you who prays for those who have issues going on and just need to bring things before the lord it's you all of us praying for one another who brings the gospel the good news of jesus out into the world into our workplaces our our houses our streets It's not me. I can't do that. I can't go where you go during the week and go and share the gospel and and tell them about Jesus. But you do that. You go to work and you go interact with your neighbours on your street. You go and raise your family. And you do the work of an evangelist. All of you, all of us together are doing the work of evangelism, of sharing the gospel of living out our values as the people of God and showing Jesus with what we say and how we act and what we do. How are we using the gifts that God has given us to build up the church? Now, I, I feel there's, there's a bit of a, a subtle warning here for um, people in leadership, but thinking about who's the hero of a church and if we ever get to a point where the heroes are the ones at the top then I feel like we're in danger who are the heroes of Hills Baptist it's people people like John Cam who was guiding us uh in the car park today to help us park people like Josh and Liam at the back helping us to worship with having words on the screen and sound coming through the mic right now and recording it for later People like Ken Shepherd, who uh, graded a path down the side here so that Zach could get down and be part of Kids Church. People who care, who serve. They are the heroes of Hills Baptist. You are the heroes of Hills Baptist. You are. As we work together to build up the church until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure, the fullness of Christ. So we have, uh, we have humility. We have humility. Hu- <laughs> it's really hard to say all of a sudden. Humility. We have unity. We have diversity of gifts. And we have love and truth. Love and truth. Paul uh, says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the ways, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming." Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. As we're a church and as we're a humble and honest, there will be people coming in who don't have any, everything right. Who uh, either um, are yet to learn things or yet to understand things and, or have a difference of expression, difference of opinion. And uh, there'll be people who get stuff wrong. I will get stuff wrong and mess up from time to time. But what's our approach in correcting that, in in guiding people to into maturity and and into Jesus? Well, Paul shares the analogy of a an infant who's tossed around and and, and swayed and and doesn't understand things. So then. And so what's, what's the approach of uh, correcting a child and, um, uh, you know, investing in an infant? It's not to lord it over them saying, you're wrong and I'm right and this is what, how things need to be. It's being gentle and patient. Speaking the truth. So bringing correction, speaking the truth, but with love. Now the truth that we bring is not our truth. It's God's truth. It's God's truth, not our truth. So even, you know, I think often we need to check ourselves. When we see someone doing something that we we disagree with, is that us or is that God? Of course, Scripture is our guide and and where we need to turn to in that space. But with love. Because the goal is not being right. The goal is restoration. Restoration. Bringing people, showing them Jesus, growing them in maturity. So we speak the truth with love, and they'll take humility, and patience, and gentleness, and we'll need to bear with one another in love. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. But that's what we're called to. If we're going to be honest and real about a church that's that's driven by the gospel. That's being honest that we are all dead. We are all broken. We're all enemies of God. So none of us have it right. None of us have it all together. But having the humility to be honest about that and open and real and being loving and caring and non-judgmental and gentle with those who, who share that and bring that darkness out into the light we see that happen Jesus can come and transform us we were dead but God made us alive and if we're humble if we're united on the right stuff on our identity as God's church if we use the gifts that God has given us to build the church up and if we speak with truth and love We will see people transformed. We will see people growing in maturity as the body of Christ may be built up, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. If you think back to that scene in Apollo 13 where where the, the engineer just throws everything onto the table And so we've got to put this into this using this. This is what we've got. To fulfill God's mission of of making disciples of all nations, to fulfill Hill's Baptist vision of seeing Jesus glorified, lives transformed, hope revealed. What do we have to work with? Well, first and most important, we have the gospel. We have the reality that is God who works, not us. It is God who, even though we were dead and enemies of God and sinful and broken, He made us alive. We have each other. We have this community that we are part of. We have the gifts that God has given us. Gifts that maybe they're new gifts, maybe they're gifts we're already serving in. We have a humble attitude. We have the Spirit working in us. This is what we've got to fulfill God's mission. Thank goodness He is working through us. It's not up to us, but we have an important part to play. Are we ready? Are we willing? Are we expectant to see God work? I'm confident that God will work in his church, that we will see transformation, lives transform, people going from dark to light, death to life. And I'm so excited for this new season, this journey that we're going to be on and that we've already been on and seen and will continue to see as we embrace the gospel, as we... Commit to being a gospel driven community. Let me pray as the band comes up. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, of Jesus who came down to earth from the Father and who lived and taught and and modeled for us how to live and how to be obedient to you and live in relationship with you and how he died. And suffered and paid the price we we deserve to pay freely, graciously, lovingly. We thank you that He's risen again and and in that same resurrection power we have new life. We will be we are made alive. We thank you for Easter next week, where we'll be celebrating this and sharing this and proclaiming this. But Lord, we pray we will be a gospel-driven community. That you you would grow in us that humble attitude that we'd put others before ourselves because it's not about us, that we'd be unified on what's most important, that we'd use the gifts that God has given us to build each other up and not just inside the church but outside the church. And we thank you for the many involved in our community that that are doing that, serving amazingly in many ways as we've heard earlier today. And Lord, we pray you'd equip us to speak the truth and uh, do that with love, that you would help us to be gentle and caring and kind and, and be good listeners. And in all this, we pray that this would bring you glory and would honor you and reveal you to people looking in. As they see us as a church, as a community, they'd see Jesus and Jesus' body, his hands and feet serving the world, bringing hope and healing and wholeness and peace and justice. Lord, we pray that you would, you would help us do your work in this world and look forward to the day when Jesus will return to complete it. But Lord, what a privilege it is to be partners with you and to be on this mission together. We just pray that you would do your work and that you would be glorified through the work of Hills Baptist. Okay. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist podcast.